Welcome to the More Love Podcast with Helen Reynolds, where we uncover the innate power held within each of us that's been withheld for thousands of years. This power is innately and rightly yours, but it's been lied about and hidden from you. It's now, it's time now for us to reclaim our power. If you want to reclaim your freedom and your ability to create from the heart of all that matters, this podcast is for you. Be sure to subscribe, then settle in and enjoy. So today I am joined on the podcast with Brian Longhurst. Welcome, Brian. Thank you very much. Absolutely (laughs) happy to be here, Helen. Oh, that's great. This is your second time. Welcome back. <laughs> Perhaps there'll be more. Who knows? <laughs> Bound to be. <laughs> so today we decided we would talk about help for lost souls. And I thought I would share a little story to get us started. Um, stories from someone that I know. Um So shall I share the little story and then we'll begin discussing? Please Please do. So this person uh, left her husband when it became evident that he was taking drugs and it was no longer safe there for herself and their child. And uh, he was very much um, stuck in his ego I, I borrowed a term from your book, actually, ego contorted mind. Thought it was oh. just perfect. <laughs> okay. And um, in that ego mind, he was extremely manipulative and controlling and diminishing, to say the least. And the drug habit extended and he became more and more noxious, really. And while all this was going on, the mother spent all the money that was saved up for the child's education on legal fees and to, to gain custody of the child and to keep the child safe. And then not long after all that was settled in quite a miraculous way, actually, and the child was safe and legally hers, the ex-husband died from the excesses of his habits. But but now it would be really nice, you know, he's no longer in the physical and it would be really nice to think that he has crossed over into the light and could now become a guardian angel for them both because I really do feel that deep down he loved them dearly and despite all of his words and actions and behaviours and habits, he he did have love in his heart because we all do. He just He just had no clue due to a whole series of things including his upbringing and all sorts of things he just had no clue how to escape his ego mind long enough to be a good husband and a good father and learn a better way to live basically and so but they um the she or the mother is uh, is sensitive to sensing him and so she can sense him but it seems that he's still caught in his ego contorted mind because it's never a pleasant interaction. Um, he seems to be still holding all of his same angry anger and, and manipulative type behaviors yes. that he had before. So I'll just lay the questions on you thick and fast, Brian. Go for it. 
how do we help him move back to the light? And is it too much for us to assume that if he did move back to the light, that he could become like a guardian angel, you know, a presence in their life that is is beneficial to connect with and that he could support them um, even though he couldn't support them in physical form. So over to you. The answer, the answer to that, to all of that, is a resounding yes, definitely. Um, I've had loads of experiences of this, and you may recall reading in my book the passing rescue and going forward of Ted. Mm. Now, Ted was uh, Teresa's father, and he had a dreadful upbringing, and he was brutal in the upbringing of his children, including wow. Teresa. Mm. And So uh, just for listeners, <clears throat> Teresa is your beautiful wife. That's correct, yes. And um, so Ted passed away in 1997. And he uh, eventually, and we sent love and blessings. Actually, what happened was we heard about his passing a day or two afterwards by telephone. And we stood uh, in the entrance from the hall of our house into the kitchen uh, where we had heard about it because there was a telephone there and uh we were talking about him and i suddenly became aware of him he was standing three or four paces from us across the kitchen with his back turned three quarters to us indicating his rejection of us uh but with his head turned as if he was trying to earwig on what we were saying about him and as soon as i became aware of him uh, I said to him spontaneously, peace be with you. Well, he spun round so quickly that I it was a blur because he thought I was going to say something very unfriendly to him because of the way things had worked out when he, when he was here. Uh, and so from that moment, and he knew the sincerity because when you're in spirit, you can feel the sincerity, it's an energy. People in a body might hear the words and say, well, you're, you're not being true to your words. You're being a hypocrite. But they can people in spirit can tell because they're feeling the energy as well as hearing the words. In fact, feeling the energy is more mm. than hearing the words. So he knew that I was sincere. So he started attending our communion service as an observer, and we would always welcome him and send him blessings and well-meaning. So he gradually, uh, it took some months, but he, and he'd, it looked as if he was progressing, then he'd regress, because, as if he couldn't let, quite let go of that baggage. And this, I think, is true, I believe is true for most people. They've got that baggage, and they think it's permanent for them. And as they start to break away from it, it drags them back. The ego keeps reminding them. So eventually, he, he uh, was able to uh, let go of all that baggage. And he became a real stalwart for uh, love and light and for Jesus. Uh, so... Uh, 
and that's where he is now, and he's helping uh, all and sundry. We've seen him in symbolic form. He was acting as a waiter, a wine waiter, carrying trays of drinks, uh, offering, effectively, you might say, communion wine for everyone who wished to join in this. So that was one uh, very palpable way in which we experienced uh, the transformation of a man who was absolutely bound in negative energy, destructive energy, uh, who became released from this. And this was as a result of our unconditional love and blessing and prayers for him. Now that may sound to an, to an atheist or an unbeliever, uh, oh, I don't believe in prayer and all that kind of stuff. Well, it is the unbelief that is shutting them off from awareness. If we don't believe something, we've closed our mind to it. And a closed mind is not an open mind, obviously. So, <laughs> I mean, it's not rocket science, is it? <laughs> so, uh, but what I would always say to un anyone who would like to experience liberation, freedom from all the dark negative energy that they've been living and feeling and uh, projecting outwards to all and sundry. Give it a try. Ask for help. Uh, you don't have to believe that you'll be helped, but have a serious commitment to asking anyway. And we have loved ones in spirit, including Jesus, in a, a part of spirit but which I refer to as the realms of light, which all our loved ones who have made progress on their journey, they go enter into, ascend into the realms of light. And from there, they can let the light shine, even into the darkness of, our, of this world, of our own hearts and minds, if that's where we're what we're experiencing so asking means that they will actually they have now been authorized by our asking to help and we will we will experience help in ways perhaps that we didn't believe possible because of our former unbelief and that will gradually win us over to beginning to believe <laughs> And we might even receive help in ways we're not even sort of conscious of getting that help at the beginning. Yes, and then definitely. as we're one over, um, we become more conscious of that help filtering through in our everyday life. Yes. So I'd like to share. Sorry, please carry on. Well, the realms of light sound awfully like heaven, Brian. So could this man who was stuck in his ego mind and terribly manipulative and taking drugs and whatnot, could he be in hell? Is there a hell? I'm uh, sure the, the listeners are, the, are asking that question. Yes. Hell is a state of mind, a state of belief, a state of uh, misperception of reality. Uh, the only place hell exists is in our mind. There is no hell 
as an objective external location. reality or location. Yes, there is no such thing. And we can be liberated from that hell of our own making. No, God doesn't judge us and send us to hell like the church has been telling us is the case for many centuries. It's not true. And now's the time for God's creation, that's us, to start emerging from that dark and fearful state of mind into the light. And that's gradually happening. We're in that time now. We're emerging like the butterfly emerges from the chrysalis. So it can soar into the light. And they're the same being. They're still this. They don't lose anything. They gain everything. That's the wonder. But the transformation is so great. You would think that they were two different creatures. Yes. Can I share a little uh, story? This is a true story, which Teresa heard and shared with me uh, a long time ago, probably 10 or 15 years ago. There was a young man, this was in Australia, uh, he got stung by a jellyfish uh, swimming in the ocean and it very nearly killed him and he had a near-death experience. Now he was a bit, uh, he was a bit wayward. He, was, he wasn't evil, but he enjoyed the pleasures of this world. And he was not interested in God or eternity or anything like that at all. But he had a grandmother who was very committed to uh, directing her energies towards the love of God. And she taught him the Lord's Prayer when he was a little boy. Now, during this uh, near-death experience, he found himself in bedrock hell. It was total darkness. There were noises coming from people who were in the depths of uh, degradation, human degradation. Uh, there was no light. And so people were bumping into each other and then they'd attack. So there was, it was pandemonium. Uh, so he was terrified by this and he thought, I'm in hell. And there's no escape. Once you've gone to hell, there's no escape. Well, that wasn't true. And what happened was he began to th think about his grandmother and he remembered the Lord's Prayer. And so he said, I'll start to say the Lord's Prayer. And the instant, the very nanosecond that he started to direct his thoughts Godward, he was, he was out of there. This didn't take moments or hours or months or years it happened instantly instantaneously quick as quick as lightning and he was in the light he was it was and he he devote he has since devoted his life and he travels around the world sharing this story to help people to understand that all this dogma and doctrine about if we're sinners, we're going to hell unless we repent, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and so that is as good uh, a real event that took place. And he, so it was a near-death experience, but he came back so that he could share his immediate 
saving or rescue or whatever term we want to use. I try to avoid terms that are too strongly identified with institutionalized religion, like the word salvation. So there we are. But it all the words aren't really important. It's what we believe the words mean and our interpretation of them. And we, we can start to uh, change our discernment of what these words really mean. It's all good if we allow it to be good. So there's this, after reading your first book, I've got six more to go. <laughs> joyfully, joyfully, I have six more to go because the first one was superb. Um, there's, I get this really clear picture that there's um, the, the, the mind, I don't really know how to explain it, but the mind sort of framework that we live from yeah. in physical form is replicated or appears to be replicated in the non-physical form. Is yes. that how yeah. it works? <laughs> what, what happens is the physical body that we have is very dense in spiritual or metaphysical terms. Yes. When we lay that body aside, we find ourselves in a replica of our physical body, but massively less dense. So it is effectively etheric, but recognizable as the persona that we are presented in this world. So like I have two brothers who laid aside their body in 2020. Uh, and so I've been aware of them and loads of other people as well. But it isn't just the, what they look like, it's the energy that they're expressing and sharing. So uh, I knew that um, my oldest brother, Ian, was Ian because of his energy. Uh, but his energy was still the same and yet different. It had undergone an uplift, a transformation. Mm -hmm. And that's what can happen to your friend's deceased husband uh, and to any and all. Uh, there, are, there are no limits. There is nothing that any of us can appear to do in this fantasy about being separated from God that is, to use a churchy term, non-redeemable. We are all redeemable. And in fact, God is love, and love never condemns. So God has never condemned his, his creation, which is us. We are created in his exact energy or likeness. We mustn't confuse the word likeness with physical form appearance, which is what most of our lexicon in this world is devised to do. But we can look beyond that. It, we were, had, have planned to call this episode Help for Lost Souls, but we could call yeah. it Help for Lost Hearts because that energy of creation, that energy of love resides in our heart, doesn't it? That's, you know, the, the, yes. And then it's the bridge between the, the um, etheric form of us or the spiritual form of us and the physical form of us in this lifetime. Yes. It's based on misperception 
our understanding is limited to physicality. Uh, that's where we appear to be. Uh, we get born, our parents raise us in what they were raised in, which is we're a body, deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> and get over your emotions because they don't mean anything. Exactly. Toughen yes. up and get on with it. So we've got everything upside down and back to front. Yes, we do. You know, in that example of the um, fellow who had the near-death experience, could it have been his grandmother? I'm presuming she had already laid aside her body when he had the near-death experience. Could that it may ha- well have been the case, but it wouldn't have made any difference one way or the other because he was, he was remembering in his mind what she had been to him when he was a little boy growing up, and that was love. And it was it was divine love. It was spiritual love. It was not uh, grasping. It wasn't counterfeit love. It was heart-centred <laughs> love. And that's... Counterfeit that's, love. <laughs> yes. What a great term. Like so I for anyone who might, who might be confused, essentially what you're saying is, Conditional love is counterfeit love. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's a better word, isn't it? Yes. Uh, there are no conditions with love with a capital L. That's that is divine love, unconditional love, and that's what we actually are. And so the term lost souls can apply to embodied or incarnate, as well as disembodied or discarnate souls because it is our mind that the body doesn't survive, but the mind does. And it will continue in its contorted uh, belief uh, awareness uh, post-embodiment unless and until they receive some help. And that we can give. There's no barrier between us with our bodies and our departed loved ones or friends or people we want to help who are now uh, discarnate. It's, it's better than making a phone call. All we have to do is direct our thought to them and they, re- they hear us, they receive us. We've made a connection. This is a metaphysical state. It's nothing to do with, oh, I can't see that person, so I can't communicate with them. That applies to this world. It doesn't apply to the spirit world. Yeah, so we can help. We really can help. And it also means we're not helping if we send that person residual anger or, yes, you know, residual yes. hurt emotions. Well, Jesus tells us that uh, we can. I there are only two ways we can uh, express. One is expressing love. And the other is expressing fear or extending fear. Now, if we're not expressing love, then the only alternative is fear. So anyone who is not open-hearted, gentle, loving, kind, compassionate, etc., they are calling for love because uh, that's the only alternative. We're either expressing love or we're calling for love because so, fear is the absence of love yes it is it's, it's not just a... the same as as uh 
a dark room. That's the absence of light. And fear is the absence of love. Love and light effectively are the same thing. They can't be in love without light. While we're on light and dark, I really loved the way you explained our shadow selves in your book. I'll have a go at explaining it, or, would I, or should I just hand over to you? No, go for it. Go for it, please. You, I'm pretty sure it started with uh, the explanation of, of Jesus's words of turning the other cheek. Oh, yes. And so it's only a, well, in the picture you were painting in the reader's mind, 180 degree turn. You can turn yes. and face this way and face towards the light. And, or you can turn and face that way and look at your shadow because if, if, you're, if there's light on one side, there's automatically going to be a shadow on the other. Yes. And I had and always. The great thing, sorry, the great thing about that is if we're facing away from the light, we're casting a shadow on the path in front of us where we won't see the rocks and the, bra and the thorns and so on, and we'll stumble. But if we turn round and face toward the light and progress our journey toward the light, the light is illuminating the path in front of us, and we will not stumble because the way is illuminated. Simple. <laughs> There's nothing complicated about eternity. Yes. Yeah. Very I really I really loved that explanation because I ha had until that explanation a resistance to the word shadow or shadow work because it's it's a popular term now and something there's something about it that just doesn't sit right with me the way it's used or the it's popular meaning I'm not sure I can't pinpoint exactly what I what doesn't feel right about it but so I was really glad to have a version of it that felt spot on. I've often thought we could really use a, a spiritual lexicon or dictionary yes. uh, with, with meaningful terminology to explain what the different words or terms actually means. So Because we've, we all know what Google will tell us or oh, what yes. the dictionary will tell us. Uh, but that's based on earth mind consciousness descriptions or definitions. Uh, but those definitions are often, in fact, very often mistaken in terms of eternity. Mm. We've got a, a time and place definition instead of an eternal definition. So getting back to the original story of, of this couple, if... Say in the scenario, the ex-wife was too angry with her ex-husband to send him blessings and prayer and so on. Can we trust that there are other people in spirit or other, you know, differentiated fragments of the whole in spirit assisting him to turn the other cheek? Oh, uh, that is unquestionably true. Uh, the difficulty, as it were, for him is his or would be his lack of awareness of their presence. Because when you're in spiritual darkness, you cannot see spiritual light. It's too bright. So you can't see into it. Uh, so, but the, the 
fantastic news is that someone with whom he had been in a close relationship, namely marriage, uh, he will be, and who is still embodied, will be aware uh, of whatever she says to him. He may not want to believe it, but he will, he will receive it. It's like anyone talking on the telephone or face-to-face. -face. They may not agree with each other, but they can receive in their hearing what is being said. Now, um, uh, you may recall reading in my first book about Hugh Dowding. Yes. Who, uh, the head of RAF Fighter Command during the war. And uh, he was called to help people, uh, who some airmen who'd crashed a bomber in North Africa. And they'd, of course, been killed during the crash, but they didn't know they were dead. So uh, Hugh Dowding, in his physical form, but the etheric counterpart of it was taken out of his body by those that he was cooperating with in the realms of light to where those airmen perceived themselves to be. Well, they knew who he was immediately because he was at the very top of the Royal Air Force. So everybody knew who he was. So they were astonished that why would the head of fighter command who would have been in bed asleep in London, uh, suddenly appear in North Africa to people who were in bomber command, a different section of the RAF. So uh, he had their attention. They wanted, they were quite willing. Well, they, they listened to him because he was a senior officer, so to speak. So he explained to them that uh, they have, laid aside their body. They may have thought that they was, had survived the crash, but in reality, their bodies had not. And so if they were willing to accept that, and his authority as a senior officer obviously would have helped their willingness to accept, but it's also the sincerity. Hugh Dowding knew what he was doing. He knew why he was there, and he had understanding and compassion as well as uh, a big slice of truth to share with them. So they were able to say, wow, I didn't, didn't realize uh, what was going on. So he said, now you can, you, others will appear to you from spirit who are nurses and whoever to take you to a, a place of uh, uh, healing, healing of your shocked, state of being, a convalescent, a convalescing place. So uh, that's what happened. And that's just one example. This is happening all the time uh, throughout the world. There are people in spirit who have devoted their lives to this rescue work, and they will go and help people who, many of whom may have had a terrible experience when they laid aside their body, being murdered or whatever. So this is going on. Now we, you and I, and anyone else who feels a desire to be truly helpful and wholly harmless can 
volunteer can simply choose. Yes, I desire to be helpful. And if they have a commitment to that desire, our loved ones in spirit will place them in situations which they weren't aware was going to happen, but events that will just uh, occur spontaneously uh, where they can be helpful in explaining things to people who may be ready to start going forward spiritually, but weren't aware of it. They're still uh, taken over by or what's going on around us. And they think that's the reality. But deep inside, they're ready for something, something beyond. Mm. So there are lots of ways in which help can be given, both to people embodied and to people who've laid aside their body. It really doesn't make any difference. There is no veil, no barrier between us appearing with a body, a physical body, and those who have laid that body aside and are still very much alive in spirit, in the etheric counterpart of Earth. It's all good news. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's all the same, you know, it's the same movement from the ego mind, being stuck in the ego mind, to the divine mind, or capital M mind, or, or love, yeah. or light, open-heartedness versus yeah. closed-heartedness or, or the appearance of the absence of a heart in some cases, you know, the ego mind yeah. becomes so compelling. So, but it, it, do, it seems to me from reading your book that it doesn't matter whether you're in physical form or non-physical form, the, trans, the movement from the ego mind thought system to the divine mind thought system is essentially the same. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, there are people who are definitely not ready for the light and trying to, it, it's a waste of, it actually can be quite damaging to try and force people into the light when they're not ready. What we can do is love them, bless them, accept them, honor their choice, their free will choice, which is exactly what Papa is doing. Papa God, he gave us free will. Uh, and he honors that free will. And so anyone who isn't yet ready for the light, that's fine because we're eternal, we're immortal. And they may be experiencing hell, the hell of their own making by their unbelief in the light, the light that they actually are. They may think, well, I'm too evil. I've made too many mistakes. I've committed too many sins to be redeemable. Uh, I know a, a chap uh, who believes this about himself, that his sin is irredeemable. And so I said to him, he's read my first book. Uh, so I reminded him about the last vignette about Jesus in bedrock hell, fastening the escape ladder to the floor. And so I I said to this chap, um, if you are willing, I will take you there. We were speaking on Skype. I will take you into that bedrock hell, which is where you appear in your own discernment to be. I will join you there. 
And uh, if you are willing to take my arm, I will lead you through the darkness toward the escape ladder, which will take you up from darkness into the light. And that escape ladder, using a metaphor, if you like, is actually Jesus. That's another way we can think of it. So with some trepidation, he said, okay. So I said, look, envision taking my arm and I will help you to make your way towards the foot of that ladder. Uh, so gently, lovingly, compassionately, I led him to the foot of the, of the stepladder. And uh, when we got there, I said, okay, now, are you ready to put your one foot on the bottom step of that stepladder? He couldn't do it. He could not bring himself to do it. He believed that he was so irredeemable that redemption was impossible for him. And he's still in that state. Mm. Uh, but that really doesn't actually make any difference because he's my brother. I still love him. I'm still willing to continue helping him just as Jesus is willing to help us. And I want to be like Jesus because he's a pretty good guy, a cool guy, as the modern term might have it. And he's fun. He's, he's light. He's light-hearted. He's wholehearted. Uh, but this, this man couldn't bring himself yet to put his foot on that first step. But he will. The time, it's inevitable. He may resist it, or to be more accurate, his ego, which he thinks is himself, and which has got him in a stranglehold, uh, keeping him from breaking free from the belief in non-redemption. Uh, and I've talked to him many, many, many times about this. He's, he wants it because he's so terrified that he's drowning in darkness, going deeper and deeper and deeper, irredeemably into darkness. Well, it's not true. He believes it's true. And all the while he believes it's true, that will be his experience. So I've said to him, what you believe is what you experience. And if you, if you change your mind, you will change your experience. Well, he doesn't believe that yet. He believes that he's experiencing it and that's why he believes it. Well, mm. that's the egoic reversal of reality. Mm. What's the saying? The when light, I see it, I'll believe it. Yeah, yes. Uh, and what we resist, which in this instance is the light, our resistance to or our acceptance of darkness, that we are in darkness, that we are darkness, that will persist. What we resist persists. I'm resisting the light, and so the darkness will persist. When we say, okay, I'm not ready for the light fully, but I'm willing to start opening the shutters, just a tiny crack to allow some light in. That's all it takes, just a 
a little willingness and then the shutters will open enough to allow a tiny ray of that light in and then we'll be able to say there really is light and it it's shining for me but i have to be willing to allow the shutters to be open and then they will open for us because god loves us and wants to help us jesus loves us and wants to help us but there are untold others in the realms of light also whose lives are devoted to helping the brokenhearted the down fall the despairing so does this chap who won't put his foot on the bottom rung of the ladder does he believe love is real yes he does he well, that's interesting yes he knows that god is love and what he can't understand or can't accept is that although god is love he is also full of rage and he's used that term to me he says i'm still experiencing the divine rage uh, there was another word he added to that but rage was one of them i'm still feeling the oppression of that divine rage uh, and i so i said to him it isn't divine rage it is egoic rage egoic rage at the prospect of the ego losing you to the light i think a lot of people who the reason i asked you that question is is to me maybe it was just my experience but deep in the ego mind or deep in the ego mind experience it's hard to believe that love is real because yes, it it's you know the ego mind is everything but love it's in, in the absence of love there's incredible fear and all its manifestations of anger and judgment and comparison yeah. and blah, the list goes on and on and on and they're all unloving. So I've always thought, I'm surprised that he believes love is real. But he only believes it in his mind as an intellectual concept, yes. not within his heart, because that's where we experience it in our heart. And when our heart and our mind join in unity and holy relationship, in wholeheartedness, wholeheartedness, that's when we can start to accept that love is not just an intellectual concept, but unattainable by us because we're sinners. Um, that's when it can start to become experiential. And this, this person, he will arrive at that place. He desires it, but he believes still at some level that he is irredeemable that it's too late for him. Well, it's never too late. Brings to the, you know, the original story we started with of this fellow who died from the excesses of his habits. You know, from the traditional religious point of view, he would need to um, go through a judgment process or um, what's the terminology? Uh, be faced with his... Uh, a period of reflection? Yeah, I can't think of the... the you know, standard terminology, but is any of that true? It can be as true as we choose to allow it to be helpful to us. And so Roman Catholic, practicing Roman Catholics go to confession and they believe that that is helpful to them. So it is helpful to them at the level they are functioning from. Uh, 
but others amongst us uh, can we can communicate direct with Papa and with Jesus. And you are, I believe, quite familiar with A Course of Love, yes. in which Jesus tells us that we no longer need intermediaries. We have moved, we're moving forward within the Great Rescue Program to the place where we don't need someone else to, like a, a clergyman of whatever denomination to Absolutely. speak for us we can communicate with god we're his his creation uh it, can you imagine a child believing that it mustn't communicate with its parent that's absurd and that happened quite a lot in the victorian era where the parents were um there was the intermediary of the nanny or the the maid whatever and the parents uh, barely saw the children. Well, we're emerging from that mindset and we can communicate with our heavenly father, Papa, he invited me to call him. So we, we don't, we can believe because we have free will, whatever we choose to believe. And while people choose to believe that going to confession is good for their soul, because we have free will, uh, it will be good for their soul. But at that level, when they come to, an, to a greater understanding, they'll say, I don't need that anymore. And they'll move on from it to a higher level of communicating with God without the intermediaries. Mm. And in a, at a greater level, that is true even with Jesus. Because while we think of Jesus, or a lot of people think of Jesus as the Lord, the Christ, the Son, the one and only Son of God, who is our Redeemer, etc., uh, and that is what He has been, because that's what we have felt a need for. But in reality, He is our brother. He is our elder brother. He is not unreachably above us at some level of heaven that we are completely incapable of reaching. Uh, so I had that experience where I was walking with him uh, along this graveled path uh, and he was beside me, but he was about half a hand's breadth in front of me, beside me, but just a tiny amount in front, and we were in precious fellowship, uh, joyous. Uh, but years, decades before that, I had seen him walking about ten, five or ten paces in front of me, and he turned round and looked at me and said, I lead, do thou follow. Now that's where most people are at. And that's where I was. I was following Jesus because I trusted him. I, I had not one shred of doubt that he was trustworthy. So I was following. But gradually, the gap between us with him leading and us following, as we, he doesn't come back, we go forward and we end up being alongside him because he's brought us to that place. 
it's not arrogant to think that we've we've come right up with Jesus. It's what is the purpose of a teacher, but to teach us so that we will eventually know all that he knows and be able to move on from there. Well, he asks us to succeed him in a course of yes. love, directly asks. Yes, mm. and that's from the horse's mouth. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if we're willing to believe. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm wondering if you have any final words for how to reach into our hearts and bless another when we might feel like they're not worthy of such blessings. Okay. Um, let's use the example that you shared at the beginning of this conversation about this uh, woman whose husband overdosed and she's wondering how she might help him now that he's in the etheric counterpart of earth, spirit, but the lower levels of spirit. Uh, what she could do uh, is to choose to accept that he can hear her. And so she could then say something like, and I'll call him Fred. So she could say to Fred, okay, uh, we had a bad time, but that doesn't mean there is no love between us at some level. Uh, my desire, because I still have that love for you, my desire is to help you. So I want to let you know that I am, you may be in spirit and I'm still here with a body. That doesn't mean that we cannot communicate with each other. And I, even if I can't hear you, I can have a sense of awareness of your presence. And I know of a certainty that you can hear me. So what I'm going to do is send you unconditional love. You don't have to do anything. You don't even have to accept it yet, although you're free to accept it. But I'm sending you from my heart love. If you feel you need forgiveness, I forgive you. And there is a true forgiveness exercise on my website, the Honest to Goodness website, that people can access and use that. And it works. I've had lots of people say that they've practiced it and it works. So uh, I forgive you. Uh, there's nothing actually to forgive because I know that you are love, as we all are love, but you're you're mistaking the nature of your reality because of the path that you have trodden during this recent embodiment. But that doesn't matter. All that matters is love. So I'm sending you love. If you feel you need forgiveness, I forgive you. I forgive you unconditionally, totally. These are the kinds of things that can be said it's got to come from our heart uh, so that it's sincere. And people who are in spirit can only accept what we're saying if they're experiencing and aware of the sincerity of our words. It's got to come from here. So, from the heart, for those who yeah, can't see yeah. Brian. That, that's, 
let yes, let's call this this lady Frida. So Frida can say to Fred, I love you. I love you unconditionally. And as she expresses that, her love will gradually move into move up some levels to the place where she actually experiences, yes, my my love for Fred actually is moving into the state of unconditionality. Uh, and that's where we all are destined to be restored to our true nature. So I, and that isn't just for Frida, that's for us all, anyone who's got issues with someone who is embodied or disembodied, it doesn't make any difference. There's no gap between this world and the next. We've made that up. Uh, and that gap, that veil that we've placed between us and the spirit world is now in the process of being shone away by the light that is emerging from our own within. So that we'll be able to see that that apparent veil was never real, never there. It's only a symbol. And in the Jerusalem temple, uh, Solomon's temple, there was a veil between the holy place and the most holy place. But that was a symbol to show people that that's where they perceive themselves and that God is the other side of that veil. But when we allow our own consciousness to realize that veil isn't real, it was never real. We've only put it there because we believe we're sinners and unworthy of being in the presence of God. So let's, the Bible says that at Jesus's departure from his body on the cross, that the veil in the temple was torn asunder from top to bottom. Well, whether that happened in a physical, actual sense doesn't really make any difference because it's all what's going to happen and is happening in our mind. We're tearing aside that veil between our misperceiving consciousness and the presence of God. God's in here. He's within us and we're within him. It's all awaiting our acceptance. And acceptance is a key word in all this. Are we willing to accept the love of God and receive it unto ourselves? Well, it's there whenever we're ready. It will, it will become our part of our awareness. And we'll never want to look back from there. We'll <laughs> want more and more and more <laughs> until we've got the whole thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. And acceptance often has... Comes before we fully understand because the ego mind says, No, 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 no. We can't accept anything until we know the terms. Until we fully understand the terms, we are not accepting that. <laughs> and that's where trust comes in. And Without faith. trust, we can't accept. So we have to be willing to trust. We have to desire to trust and be willing to. Yes, I really do desire to trust, but. Something's telling me that I should hold back because who in this world is trustworthy? Well, not very many. The bankers, <laughs> the lawyers, 
I'm just kidding, of course. <laughs> the politicians. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. okay, we need to stop before we label every um, <laughs> profession. <laughs> yeah. So I think um, trusting is uh, we support ourselves in our ability to trust by reading materials such as your beautiful book. Uh, well, books, but seek ye first, the kingdom would be the place to start. Um, yeah. To listening to people who speak from the heart, who live in a wholehearted way, um, to listening to my podcast, of course, um, to listening to beautiful music instead of music yes. that's angry or, or... Yes, turbulent. Turbulent, disruptive, yeah. Uh, watching love stories in movies as opposed to watching violent movies getting out yeah. in nature as opposed to staying indoors yeah. you know we we really need to support ourselves through this journey until we can sort of stand on our own two feet in this firm trust and faith position yeah and we need to be okay with the idea that it doesn't come instantaneously and we can be helped by joining in what Jesus calls a holy relationship with a loved one, with anyone, another person. When two people join with a similar intent, that is to uh, become trust, trusting, trustworthy, sharing, then we are much more able. We can't do this on our own. So getting into a relationship, and this world is full of loneliness, uh, and when we're on our own, we're stuck. But if we are open to accepting a relationship, like you shared with me the story of that uh, lady in the park, on the park bench, who mm. wanted to ask you about your dog, I dare say she was lonely. She may have been an angel in, in some respects. She is an angel, even if she doesn't know it. But she's looking for friendship, for relationship. And our relationship can be with all of the rest of our kin, our siblings in the sonship of God. Uh, it can be with Jesus. It can be with our departed loved ones. It can be with Papa God himself. Uh, there's no limitations except those that we apply to ourselves. Mm. If we're willing to, I have a friend who she smiles at people when she's walking past in the street and they'll often uh, stop and want to talk. And so she doesn't get into anything about spirituality unless there's a hint from the other person that they're open to it. And if, if they are, then they can engage at that level. But even if it's only engaging about the weather or the, you know, the price of butter, whatever. Um, so having a friendly smile, an open countenance, is inducive of other people's trust. They'll say, and she gets stopped by people who say, you've got such a friendly countenance, I feel I want to talk to you. And they share things. I expect you get people sharing things that are quite astonishing, that, that they wouldn't dream of sharing with most other people. 
It's our openness and receptiveness that gives them that sense of trust. I can feel free to share my burdens with this person because I sense, I have a, a sense of their energy, their loving, giving, accepting, compassionate energy. We all have that, but most of us are too hunkered down from it by fear. Well, love can drive fear away in an instant. Mm, absolutely. Our whole podcast or, you know, the core of our conversation has been this teetering and tottering between the ego thought system and the divine thought system or, or yeah. wholeheartedness. And um, to give us some hope, this is uh, from page 117 in Chapter 6 of the sparkly version of yes. A Course in Miracles. You have been chosen to teach the at one precisely because you have been extreme examples of allegiance to your thought systems and therefore have developed the capacity for allegiance. It has indeed been misplaced, but it is a form of faith which you yourselves have been willing to redirect. You cannot doubt the strength of your devotion when you consider how faithfully you have observed it. It is quite evident that you had already developed the ability to follow a better model if you could accept it. I, I just thought that was amazing because in my years of being stuck in my own ego thought system, I would never have considered it a form of faith. But now that I look back and think about how loyal I was to it, I think, oh, yes, I can see what he's talking about. Yes. So therefore, I had the ability to use that faith in a more tr truthful way. So for anyone who is listening who might feel like they are yet to move into the space that we're talking about, yeah. it's very much possible for them. And yes. just keep supporting yourselves as you move through the change. Yeah. Hmm. Well, thank, thank you, Brian. Thank you, sweetheart. So I'll just I've wrap. loved this. Oh, I, I enjoy always, it. I always love talking with you. So Likewise. to wrap up, <clears throat> please tell someone else who wants their power back about the More Love podcast. They'll be forever grateful that you've helped them reclaim their true state of being. Until we join together again, I wish you all the blessings that wholeheartedness brings. Bye for now. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.